Good morning. All right, we're going to jump right into it. This will probably be the only sermon I've ever preached that's 25 minutes in my life. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. I had a message uh, that God put on my heart earlier, and then uh, he hijacked it. So uh, we're going to go with that. So this morning, um, if you could turn the lights up, that would be awesome. Uh, This morning, I want to talk to us all, and by us I mean myself included, on a unique topic that uh, some of you may not be familiar with, but I want to talk to you from the topic, cancel culture and the kingdom of God. Cancel culture and the kingdom of God. If you are unaware, cancel culture is an ideology that, re, that surfaced a couple years ago, but it's really nothing new. And as we go, I'll kind of define what that means for you uh, so that you all can, we all can get on the same page. But I think as the message goes, you will, you will realize that we all struggle with cancel culture. We all struggle with this thing. It's trending in our culture today, but it is something that every one of us on an individual level has a tendency to do in one way, shape, or form. And so we're going to jump right into that. Will you join me as, we, uh, as I bow my head and pray? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have an amazing word. Father, the word of God that can speak to every single season, age, year that we are going through. And Father, that, that the things in this word... Father, can, can be uh, uh, things that steer us to see the kingdom manifest in the day that we live in. So, God, we just pray that this word would come to pass, Father, that we would be inspired, transformed, and shaped by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Cancel culture and the kingdom of God. And here's, here's the question that as I began to consider this, this ideology... One of the things that I think every one of us as a follower of Jesus Christ has a responsibility to do is that when we see and experience things in culture, we have to make sure as followers of Jesus as to our reaction to those things, whether or not it's compatible with our faith, whether or not it works within what the kingdom, perceiving the kingdom of God come in this age. We have a responsibility To not react out of our flesh or not react out of our passions, but to go to Scripture, look at Scripture and say, okay, what does Scripture uh, uh, say? Because here's the truth. If we are going to be followers of Jesus, then one of our primary missions needs to be that his kingdom come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we can't just respond to culture the way that culture responds. We have to take a look at Scripture and say, is the way that culture is responding to culture compatible with my Christianity? If it's not, then I need to go to the Scripture to look at what Scripture is saying, and I need to adjust and align myself with how the kingdom functions, because the kingdom will not come in a culture if we are not shaped by what the Word of God says. We know this, right? And so this word cancel culture uh, was actually written about in Time magazine in 2019 as the premier rising ideology of the year. Time magazine wrote about it. President Bar- former President Barack Obama actually talked about cancel culture. 
Like, this is nothing new. This is something that came out of 2019. Let me tell you what the essence of cancel culture is. The essence, of, according to the uh, article, the essence of cancel culture is that it is a modern-day movement to boycott someone or something when their actions are considered wrong, offense, offensive, shameful, or egregious to anyone in any way. It is manifested primarily on social media or through internet outlets, and one of the goals, according to the article, is to eject someone or something from their influence, their livelihood, their social status, their character, their integrity, fame, etc., as a punishment for their questionable actions. It is described in other articles as the public shaming or humiliation of someone until they lose their prominence within their respective sphere of influence. A couple of examples of this um, are, and when I, when I preface these examples, let me just kind of, it comes with a disclaimer. I'm not bringing them up to convince you one way or another about them. These are just examples within culture of cancel culture, okay? One of the examples that we uh, have in 2019 is there's a comedian. His name is Kevin Hart. Anybody know who Kevin Hart is? Okay? Uh, he said something on Twitter that was homophobic in nature. And so there began this movement to cancel all of his tour stops because of this homophobic tweet on Twitter, okay? Uh, if you have Twitter, cancel it. Stay off of it. Because prime, so many, you'll see so many examples here of people who get themselves in trouble because of a post. Uh, another example of can cancel culture, once again, I'm not justifying uh, her behavior, but Roseanne was canceled from her Roseanne reboot because of a racist tweet, okay? Uh, J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter series, uh, had a, um, it was a insensitive tweet about the LGB, uh, LGBTQRSTUV. <laughs> I got dry mouth, so that was hard to say, like those five letters. But she, she, uh, they're, they're trying to cancel her because of, a, of an insensitive thing on uh, Twitter. I even think back to Tiger Woods. In 2008, 2009, he has this moral failure, and then all of these advertisement outlets pull their support from him. And, and, and choose not to, to support him. I even think all the way back, and this is nothing new, cancel culture is nothing new, I think back to Pete Rose. Here's an amazing athlete, made some mistakes as a gambler, and, and still to this day will not be allowed into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Still to this day. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's other more uh, common or real ones right now. Uh, and, you know, one of those is the uh, petitioning of changing the national anthem because of Francis, I think Francis Scott Key uh, had slaves, and so it's, it's, there's this desire in our culture to cancel uh, the, the uh, national anthem. Uh, the removal of statues of historical figures or Confederate um, uh, people. Um, and the interesting thing is, you know, and then another one that I would say would be kind of along these lines of cancel culture is the idea or the pursuit to defund the police, okay? Now, um, it's funny because as I even say these things, um, you could almost have a, a, a pin drop in the room right. because every one of us is dealing with cancel culture. 
you can't even talk about anything. And I'm sorry, but the church needs to be the place where you have the conversation. It, it, we don't need other places. This needs to be the place where we, where we refuse to give in to the fear of a man and what would happen if we say the wrong thing because that's what prevents us from talking at all. I'm going to say the wrong thing, so I can't even say anything. So we're going to talk about these things. Cancel culture. Okay? Um, now, this is another uh, thing that was mentioned in the article. The ideology of cancel culture is that if you do something that anybody else deems problematic, you automatically lose all of your cultural currency or influence, your voice is silenced, you're done. This is what the Time article wrote. Cancel culture does not merely seek justice. It wants a person or an institution to be punished indefinitely for the rest of their life. Another thing, and this is so important for us to understand about cancel culture ideology. Cancel culture wants to make a permanent judgment of who you are by attempting to define you by one moment. Right. It wants to say, you did this, that's who you are forever. And it will, not, it will be relentlessly pursuing, reinforcing a belief about who you are because of one moment in your life. This is what cancel culture is, and this is what cancel culture do does. Does anybody, as I was talking about these things, you started to think about some other stuff? This is the ideology of the day. Now, with all that being said, let me, let me hear me clear. Um, I'm not saying that the things that people have been canceled for aren't egregious, aren't wrong, aren't prejudiced. You know, I'm not saying that at all. I was giving merely examples. Because the reality is, is that some things, the rea in every place that we are in, in, when we're employed with something, there are codes of conduct. If you violate one of those codes, there should be uh, there should be some sort of measure of punishment as a result of that. And so I'm not saying that everyone who has been canceled is a victim. I'm not saying that, okay? But I want you to hear me clearly. With all that being said, I had a thought as I have been observing that this has become a popular trend. We're so quick in American culture to uh, censor and cancel people. It's like you're done. You make one mistake, you're done, okay? And, and as, that, as I've seen that manifest in so many different spheres, I've started to wonder the same question that I posed at the beginning. Is cancel culture ideology compatible with the kingdom, or is it in contradiction to it? Okay? Because if, and I, I love what Pastor Dwight said last week, if you cannot watch the news and be on Facebook and not get stressed out, turn it off. Because if you're not careful, you can be sucked into the vortex. And you can begin to start to just feel all of these things because of what you're seeing, listening to, hearing, watching. And it's so important. This is a critical question. Is this compatible with Christianity? Because as cancel culture is rampant in our American culture, we can all be tempted to react to anyone and anything the same way as everyone else does. But listen to me. 
we have the responsibility as followers of Jesus to discern what is the way that we navigate through it. So as I began to consider cancel culture, God reminded me of this, this scripture, Mark chapter 8, verse 15. Mark chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. Jesus has just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Okay? It's just off the tail end of that miracle. And in verse 14, it says, And they, the disciples, had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Okay? Just off the tail end of miracle, Jesus fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. Now the disciples are upset. There's 12 of them, and they only got one loaf. Did you, did you forget the miracle that just took place? You're worried about one loaf, and he fed 4,000 people with seven loaves? And so they're in the boat, and they're having this conversation, this interaction, and out of nowhere, Jesus responds almost from like left field with something that doesn't even apply to their current conversation, but is going at a deeper root. Because you know with Jesus, he always attacked the deeper issue. He wasn't going to respond with the surface level thing. He was going to talk about what produced the thing out of their mouth. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? So that he, he, he says this, and he was giving them orders. Okay? They're like, we only got one loaf. Oh my gosh, we need to go back to shore and get some more bread. And Jesus commands them. He was giving them orders saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now that seems, I don't know about you, but if you don't know, this seems like out of left field. Okay, well, let's reread verse 15 again. And he was giving orders to them, saying, watch out. That's be on guard. That's protect yourself. That's don't be blindsided. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. I don't have a whole whole lot of time to go into this passage and its meaning. But when Jesus, this is what I know. When Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of of Herod, he wasn't talking about baking soda or yeast. Okay? That's not what he is talking about here. Now, leaven, as many of you know, and you probably know it from eating one of Jerry's cinnamon rolls, (laughs) leaven is the substance, or typically yeast, that is added to dough to make it ferment and rise. Ferment. Okay, that's literally what the dictionary uh, said when it described or gave the definition for leaven. Okay, so leaven, it's important to remember, leaven ferments. It causes the rise of the dough. My wife made pizza on Thursday, and I experienced a whole lot of leaven. It was so good. That, that dough was rising. Lemon ferments. It rises. What's interesting about the word ferment is there's also another meaning to this word ferment. And it literally means this. To incite and stir up. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's not talking about yeast. He's prefacing another meaning behind this word ferment. It also means to incite 
and to stir up. So when Jesus is talking to the disciples and says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, he isn't talking about the leaven in bread. He's talking about the leaven in them. If we're not careful, there is a leaven that can be added on the inside that will incite you and stir you up. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. See, here was the problem. The problem was that Jesus had just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread, and now 12 disciples moments later think they don't have enough bread because they're in the boat with Jesus and they only have one loaf. Listen to me. They didn't have a bread problem. They had a leaven problem. And the leaven in their minds was causing them to miss the kingdom solution because their mindset was being fermented by the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And that's why Jesus said, beware, watch it, watch out. Because it will contaminate your mindset from missing the solution in the kingdom. Here they are having this carnal mindset when Jesus is like, I fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread, and you got one lo loaf, and you don't see that I can still be the solution? Right. Right. And this is where the disciples are in the boat. See, if we aren't careful, we will miss kingdom solutions for cultural issues in America today because our solutions are limited by the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. That's right. Now I hope you're tracking with me because I'm going to get to what those things mean. What on earth is the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod? Well, what we have to see is that they were representations of spirits in operation. Make no mistake about it. There are spiritual issues today. What did Paul say? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. There are spiritual originations behind things that are going on in the culture today. Listen, and here's the truth. You have to listen to this. When Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and they were, uh, on in, they were um, in the middle of a storm, it said that the, the wind was controlling the waves. And where were the followers of Jesus spending all their time, focus, and energy? They were on fighting the waves instead of dealing with the wind. They were on fighting what they think was the problem because they could see it. And Jesus sits up and he shuts the wind down and the waves calm down. We have to make sure that we're not spending all of our effort and energy on fighting the waves when the wind is probably the problem. And this is what Jesus is speaking about here. See, the leaven of the Pharisees is this. It is the religious spirit. It's the religious spirit. He's using the Pharisees to define a religious spirit. The, the Pharisees in Hebrew culture were the most religious people at that time. Number two, the leaven of Herod. Who was Herod? He was the king of Israel. So the leaven of Herod is the political spirit. And Jesus said, beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, beware of the religious spirit and the political spirit to incite you and stir you up. Watch out! Because you listen to somebody and you start to get angry about stuff that you weren't even angry before. You listen to it. 
It is inciting you and stirring you up. It is profiting off of provoking your emotions. And here's what he says. He says, you've got to watch out for the religious spirit and the political spirit because you are a member of another kingdom. And if you're not careful, you will change your allegiance. You will trade allegiances and you will align yourself with a political ideology and a religious ideology. And listen, this is what's so important. Jesus said, and I tell you today, beware of the religious spirit and the political spirit's ability to incite you and stir you up. Because listen to me, if we react to the culture in the same spirit that has incited the cultural issues of the day, we will be like Jesus. We will be a house divided against ourselves that cannot stand. You cannot fix the culture issues with the same heart from the culture. We become houses divided against ourselves that cannot stand when we're trying to fix spiritual issues that, have a, that are masquerading as religious or political things with the same spirit that incited the issues in the first place. This is what Jesus is talking about. If you react to culture in the same spirit that has incited the cultural issues of the day, you cannot bring a solution because you and I are like Jesus. When Jesus said, we are houses divided by ourselves that cannot stand. We cannot drive out the issues of the day. If our minds are primarily influenced by the spirits that are causing the problems in the first place. The political system and the religious system will attempt to infect your thought life so you miss kingdom solutions. Let me take it a step further. When Jesus said, oh, man, this is a feel-good message, isn't it? Let me take it a step further. When Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, that word leaven in the Greek is the word zume, and it means this, that which incites mental and moral corruption. So when you listen to the fodder of whatever political news radio and station, TV station you watch all day long, you're not going to see a kingdom solution. Because it is not only stirring you up and inciting you, but it is causing mental and moral corruption in your heart. Because you are, what did Jesus say? Anyone who has anger in their heart has already committed murder. And here we are sitting in front of a TV screen watching the fodder and we become angry at people we don't even know that Jesus died on a cross to save, deliver, and set free. And we're committing murder in our heart over and over and over again because we're giving in to the spirits behind the issues. Do not allow the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herod to incite you and stir you up because you're going to miss kingdom solutions. The kingdom can't come when you're already affiliated and so stuck with your allegiance to religious and political things. The kingdom culture that we're a part of, we have a responsibility to demonstrate in American culture. And it's being diluted and distorted by the inundation of the political and religious spirit that we see on Facebook every single day. So here's my question for everyone. Which kingdom is fermenting you? 
See, can I tell you the whole message? Is my response to what I've watched on Facebook, listened to on Facebook, listened to on the radio, watched on the TV, and something rose up on the inside of me that said, you better look at what the Word of God says to be able to navigate through everything because you are inciting and stirring yourself up by the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. you got to be careful. I, Chris Vallotton, he's a, a pastor at... Uh, Bethel Church, and you know, Bethel Church, I, I love a lot of their teachings, but some people are incensed by Bethel Church. I, I, you're free to have that opinion. I don't care. But what he says here is very fascinating. He says this. He says, the political spirit and the religious spirit have at least 12 things in common, and I'm going to close in a minute. I want you to look at these. Number one, political spirit and religious spirit. Make people fear those they can't control. Number two, causes people to assign motives to people they don't even know. Isn't that the truth? Leads people to demonize those with whom they disagree. Number four, causes people to create an us and them mentality. Persuades people to spiritualize the demeaning of people of different persuasions. <laughs> I love Bill Johnson said this. He said, we have to make sure that what we call the gift of discernment is not the gift of suspicion. We don't even know people, and we make a judgment when we haven't, even, we haven't even figured them out. See, this is part of the problem in the culture. We can't even talk about this stuff because the people on Facebook may watch this, and they may get a five-second clip, and they may crucify me for it, saying, I endorse it. You don't even know me. I hope they take that clip. It convinces people that they are justified in implying a different standard of behavior towards those who they deem wrong. Let's go on. It causes people to refuse to acknowledge the positive accomplishments of those they vilify. It convinces people to assign the blame for all the problems of society to one people group. It blinds people to their own prejudices, number 10. It motivates people to judge themselves by their intentions and others by their actions. It causes people to redefine dishonoring attitudes as virtuous attributes. And number 12, people under its influence hunt in packs so they can feed off of the self-righteousness of others. Political and religious spirit. Are you thinking of any examples in our culture today that, that fit those characteristics? So again, I ask you all this morning, is cancel culture ideology compatible with the culture of the kingdom? Or is it in contradiction to it? The answer, my answer, is no. Because its roots are not in the kingdom. And here is where cancel culture and the kingdom culture are different. Kingdom culture doesn't hold people to a standard of perfection. Kingdom culture leaves room for grace. Kingdom culture allows people the time to repent. Kingdom culture is about redemption, restoration, and reconciliation, which none of those are what cancel culture is about. They want you for perpetuity to be defined by one thing you did or one thing you said on, on Twitter. That how many people we know wish they could have taken it back. This is, why I, this is why I will type stuff in the Facebook, what are you thinking, and then delete it before I post it. Because I know this, that Facebook and all these social media outlets have allowed us the opportunity to say what we're thinking without, without thinking. Right, right. 
20 years ago, so many of us wouldn't be canceled because we never had the outlet. I'm going to end it here because I could say more. Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Let me show you the cancel culture of the kingdom. This is in the Passion Translation. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp. But now, say now. now. We've been resurrected out of that realm of death. Never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. You better see the cancel culture here. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record in the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased and canceled all our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all that it could not be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of the cancellation culture of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is about this. The only cancel culture that exists in the kingdom is that Jesus canceled our debt of sin so that we wouldn't be canceled by our sin. That is the only cancel culture that exists in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not about canceling people and canceling things. It's about embracing people who repent that they might walk out restoration and redemption and reconciliation. First Corinthians said we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, which means we chase people down the same way that God chases us down because it's the goodness of God that does that. It is the kindness of God that brings people to repentance, not condemnation, not public shaming. The only thing that's shamed by Jesus is the stuff that he took to the cross because it goes on to say here that he took that which shamed you and he displays it publicly. He drags it behind him. This is the cancel culture of the kingdom. And how many of you see that they are on polar opposites of the spectrum? So I encourage you this morning to beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. I read this on Facebook of all places. And it's by a Christian rap artist. He said this. It's by a man named KB, or that's his stage name. He says, this is the church. We will rebuke you when you're wrong. We will forgive you when you repent, but we will not cancel you when you are down, for Christ will not cancel us. Cancel culture is not kingdom culture. We don't just applaud the righteous, we restore the fallen. This is, can this is the kingdom culture. Will you stand with me? So here's my question this morning. That's amazing. <laughs> and this is the sobering question of the day. Do you have any leaven in your heart? Do you have any leaven in your heart? Do you have the leaven of the Pharisees? Do you have the leaven of Herod there? And see, cancel culture is a cultural ideology in American culture today, but I'm telling you, we have our own culture. We have our own responsibility to look around our sphere and say, 
have we canceled people? Have we, have we said to be done with you? And can I tell you something that's so fascinating? <clears throat> Jesus was canceled by the religious and political spirit. He was canceled by the political and religious spirit. And, and, and I love what happens, or this, 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 this picture. Pilate says, I wash my hands of this decision. See, this is what the political spirit does. It, it sees that, that you need help and that you need restoration, redemption, restoration, but I can't do anything about that because I will lose my seat of power if I align with the grace of the kingdom of God because that's not what people want. People want flesh. People want to see the political spirit and the religious spirit want to see someone crucified. And so if I align, and, and you know what Jesus said? He said, go and learn what this means. And he was addressing the religious spirit. He said, I desire mercy over sacrifice. Go and learn what that means. And so we have a responsibility in the kingdom of God to align my, ourselves with the kingdom, which is about seeking grace, seeking mercy, seeking repentance, seeking redemption, seeking restoration, and seeking reconciliation. No matter if we get crucified in the process. Because remember what Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you too. It's just a reality. So do you have an 11 in your heart? That's what, that's what I want us to just take a moment as we close and pray, pray about. Do we have any leaven inside of us? The leaven of the religious spirit, the political spirit, that is fermenting you, that is inciting you and stirring you up on movements and things that are missing the kingdom solutions right. that God wants to bring to see transformation in the culture. So let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. Jesus, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is so real, that the Word of God is so relevant. It can address every place that we are in, in our culture today. So, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, right now, that we would be like David. God, we would say, search my heart and know my ways that I may be pleasing to you. God, we invite the searching of the Holy Spirit to begin to identify the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of, the, of Herod in our hearts that have caused us to be incited and stirred up. Father, we repent of giving ourselves over to things that, we, that have caused us to not see people that you love, that you died for, that we've washed our hands of people that, God, we picked up stones to, to, to stone people with. That is not the kingdom. So, Lord, we ask that you would bring, that you would forgive us, God, and that you would transform our heart, that we would have the value system of the kingdom, and that would be the preeminent thing in our heart as we navigate through culture. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. God bless you guys.